If the New Orleans Saints defense wants to continue to dominate, then they 100% need to bring the swagger back in 2023. How will they get that done? We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and keep the conversation going with me one-on-one over at joinsubtext.com slash locked on Saints, as always, I am your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert credential member of the media. You can find me over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. You can also check me out every single Tuesday on Locked on the NFL podcast, and of course, here with you every single Monday through Friday, and then some on Locked on Saints. Appreciate you as always. Always for being here, y'all, for another live episode of the show. Big shout out to everybody in the chat checking out the show live. And of course, everybody checking out the show later as well. We are continuing on nine shows a week here on Locked on Saints because there's no such thing as nothing to talk about when it comes to the New Orleans Saints. And here is my proof. On today's episode, we're going to take a look at the post-June 1 transactions that could that could actually take place, that could finally take place for New Orleans. We're going to look at a potential addition, a potential departure, and somebody else that's maybe a little bit sneaky that you might not hear about anywhere else. We're also going to take a look at breaking down the OTA lineups, what the starting lineup looked like for the New Orleans Saints and the offensive and defensive side of the ball from this week, and what it tells us about what the Saints are doing and what's upcoming. But first, the New Orleans Saints understand that when it comes down to performing, winning, dominating on the field, particularly over on the defensive side, it's not just about being good on paper. It's not just about calling the right plays. It's not just about making the plays. It's also about the attitude. It's about the mentality. It's about all of the swagger, all the confidence, all of the attitude. And when we spoke to Alante Taylor in the locker room after Tuesday's OTA practice for the second one that media was a part of and and in attendance for, one of the things that he mentioned was that he loves, he said, what I always love to say is that I love playing for Dennis Allen because he's out there and encouraging them. He said it was the first day that they were out there on the field and he was already telling them, hey, we need the handshakes. We need the yapping. We need the trash talk. Like we need the confidence. We need the attitude, all of that, because they very much believe that swagger, attitude, confidence is a part of the game for them. And I'm going to just come right out and say it because I I know, I know for sure that like I might look at this a little bit differently than some folks. I know that there are some people who don't like the showboating, they don't like the swagger, they don't like the trash talk, that they don't like those things. And that's I get it. I I 100% understand. I see it a different way. When I played and I'm talking about like kids, right? Trash talk, swagger, mouthing off, letting people know that you just did what you just did or what you were going to do, like all of those things. It was so much a part of the game, the sort of mental side, so much, in fact, to the point to where you actually, there, there's this fantastic clip of Bill Belichick from all the way being in the D to where he was talking about back in the day. 
uh, where he was talking about like, even he encourages all of that because it's a mental chess part of the game, right? It's the, I'm going to get into the head of my opponent. I'm going to let them know I'm not afraid of them. And to hear this from Alante Taylor, he's the perfect messenger for this message, right? He is a guy that knows that he's not the biggest cornerback out there, so he's got to win with speed, and he trusts his speed. He has all the confidence in the world. This is a guy who came into the NFL, got his you know, first real couple of starts, and he was going up against guys like DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams and all that, and it's just wild like how good he also performed throughout those opportunities too. And that confidence is such a big part of it. You can't be a guy that goes out on the field, especially as a corner, and says, oh man, Justin Jefferson's really good. Like, <sighs> you can't be that guy. You have to You have to say, hey, Justin Jefferson's really good, but I'm him. I'm better. I'm me. Like, he has that. You have to have that level of confidence, especially as a perimeter corner, right? Like, the confidence isn't just about what you say as you go up to the line of scrimmage. It's what you say to yourself after you lose a rep, after he gets a catch, after he dogs you for 40 yards and all that. You got to line back up across from him and say, uh-uh, not again, right? So you have to have that level of confidence. You have to have that. So you look at the New Orleans Saints and you see the handshakes while they're on the field, them dapping each other up and all the elaborate daps that they have with one another. Um, Demario Davis is, and I think players earn this over time. Jamari Davis is one of the biggest trash talkers I've ever seen on a football field. Like, remember, you can find those old clips of like Philip Rivers who like doesn't curse and is out there like talking his stuff, talking mess. And he's out there and he's saying like, you know, friggin' this and friggin' that and like doing the whole thing and the gosh darn it and like all the stuff that he says out on the field. But he's a mad, wild trash talker. Like, you want that type of confidence especially over on the defensive side, because as a defense, you need to believe that you're going to dominate the opponent. You need to believe that you are better than the guys across from you because you're at a disadvantage at every snap. The offense knows exactly what they're going to do. You're trying to adjust and respond and hopefully premeditate and get it right. You know what I'm saying? And so you have to have that level of confidence there. It's funny because I love that for the defensive side. For the offensive side, I kind of go a different route to where I don't necessarily need the showboating offense. I don't necessarily need the dap them up, handshakes, swagger, confidence on the offense. I almost prefer the offense to be, um, you know, that picture of Derek Carr sitting on the bench and he's just mad and he just looks angry. I can't even make the face. I don't even know. Like I've, I've met Derek a couple of times now. I, I don't even know how deeply he had to reach into his, his young angst to pull that to pull that look out, but that's almost what I would rather from the offense. Just mean, it's still confidence. It's still confidence. It's just not out loud. It's not swagger. It's mean. It's meticulous. It's, I know I'm better than you. It's stone cold. That's almost the type of approach I'd like to see from the offense this year. And we'll see if that's the, that's the way, that's the route that they go while the defense is loud, boisterous, dancing. Like that was another thing that Dennis Allen wanted. Like he wanted the dancing. He wants the handshakes. He wants the dap. He wants all that stuff. And so that's the type of stuff that gets you hyped where you can get into the mind of the opposing offense and say, no, we're better than you. 
you can't beat us. That's the type of stuff that over on the offensive side, but or over on the defensive side, but on the offensive side, almost rather that like stone cold mentality of like, we can dice you up whenever we want. We ain't worried about nothing. You know what I'm saying? And so I really like the approach that these new, that this New Orleans Saints offense and defense has been taking, but particularly you're in OTAs and you're already out there celebrating big plays. You're already out there talking trash on the field. Demario Davis, at one point, it was a, um, I think it was the interception by Troy Pride, maybe, or it was the uh, pass breakup by Adrian Fry. One of those two plays, Demario Davis came out. He was out on the practice field saying, light work, light work. Y'all ain't bleep. Y'all ain't nothing. You know what I mean? He was like letting the offense know. And I love that. I love that from the defense. I want that. I want to see in any football team, that's the way you want the defense to be dominant in terms of their mentality, dominant in terms of their execution, dominant in terms of their, um, you know what it is? It just hit me. You know what it is? It's representative of the culture of the city of New Orleans and the region of the Gulf Coast, right? It's confidence. It's resilience. It's you can push us here. You can push us there. You can win this. You can win that. But we're always going to be back and there ain't nothing that you can do about it. And I think that is one of those things when I think about like the people that this team, you know, the community that this team represents, that this team plays for, all of that. It's such a cool and good representation of the attitude and the confidence and the swagger of this city, of this region, uh, of this area and its people. That's, that's what it is. That's why I love it so much. That's why I love it so much. There we go. We found it. We found it. All right, y'all. Coming up next, let's take a look at what is going down with the New Orleans Saints when it comes to their offensive and defensive starting lineups during OTAs. Who was on the field? Who was where? And what does it mean? We got that coming up for you as we continue on with a hype episode. We are hyped today. Hype episode of Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every And today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook, the number one sportsbook in all of America, and of course, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL, and here on the Locked on Podcast Network. And right now, they have an insane offer to where if you've never used FanDuel before, now's the time. Head over to FanDuel.com slash Locked on today. You're going to get to get a no-sweat first bet of up to 2000 $500 in bonus bets. It's bonus bets that come back to you if your first bet doesn't win. So you can put it down. If your bet doesn't win and it's your first time ever on FanDuel, you can get an up to $2,500 back. So it makes it entirely risk-free for your first bet. So you can go in on the Saints as a uh, as a, a, a favorite for the NFC South. You can go in on them as a favorite up against the Tennessee Titans to open up. You can even go so far as to give Put a bunch down on Derek Carr winning MVP because I think it's like plus 3,000 odds. So why not? You might as well. So go and check them out today. FanDuel.com slash locked on so you can get that no sweat first bet of up to $2,500 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And of course, you can find more. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. So we wanted to take a look next here for all the everydayers who are chilling with us. Appreciate you, as always, making us your first listen of the day every day. We want to take a look back at Tuesday's OTA practice to make sure that you get all the information that you need to know in terms of uh, starting lineups, like where people were, what they were playing, what they were doing, and what it means 
for the New Orleans Saints. Now remember, there were 15 players that were not in attendance on uh, Tuesday. So there were some folks that were back, like JT Gray, as well as Demario Davis, but there were some new players absent, like Marshawn Lattimore, for instance. But then you also saw some continued absences in the offensive line, Ryan Ramchek, James Hurst, uh, 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 Andres Pete, Nick Saldaveri, no Taysom Hill still, uh, a couple of guys working off on the side. So let's break down who was on the field, where they were, and what this all means for the New Orleans Saints. Let me give a quick shout out to the folks that are chilling here in the chat. Appreciate y'all very much for being here. Marvin, Tedra, Yella, Jerry, Jane, 777, Bearded, Pammy, Tedra. I see all y'all. Thank y'all very much for being here, uh, catching the show live. And of course, for all the folks catching the show later as well. So let's take a look at the starting lineup for the New Orleans Saints in OTAs. The offensive line going from left to right was Landon Young at left tackle. Lewis Kidd was at left guard. Uh, Eric McCoy assuming his usual role as center. Then you had Calvin Throckmorton at right guard, Storm Norton at right tackle. So you see some new faces here in, or a new face here in Storm Norton. But outside of that, a lot of familiar folks, Landon Young, uh, Lewis Kidd, Calvin Throckmorton. Lewis Kidd was a guy that was a UDFA last year, coming out of Montana State, ended up starting a game for the New Orleans Saints and everything, and just has like this great attitude, a learner's mentality, wants to learn everything, very much a student of the game, uh, and somebody that I think has taken a good step in terms of his development, getting those starting opportunities, getting to be out there with the first team and all that. So you talk about some quality depth for the New Orleans Saints in guys like Lewis Kidd. Landon Young, Calvin Throckmorton, they've had some shaky deployment so far, but there's still some opportunities there for them to continue to develop and take steps forward as well. And ideally, these guys very rarely see the field in terms of starts anyway, because you want your starting five out there once the season begins and as much throughout the season as you can. But hey, just knowing that they're getting these extra reps and that they're continuing to build a little bit of that, um, the, 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 the experience and the development over when it comes to the, um, when it comes to experience, when it comes to, uh, these OTAs, these practices and everything to get time on task with Derek Carr early is still really good and beneficial for them. Derek Carr, of course, was your starting quarterback. When it came to the specialist, you had Jamal Williams in the backfield. You had uh, Rashid Jaheed, Chris Olave starting at wide receiver on the outside. Juwan Johnson, Foster Moreau playing at tight end. And then Brian Edwards was still serving as the third uh, wide receiver coming in. Let me tell you why I think that that's really interesting, okay? The reason why I think that that in particular, that little detail is really interesting when it comes to, um, when it comes to, um, uh, Brian Edwards, it's because you look at where the Saints are without having Michael Thomas out on the field. And without Michael Thomas out on the field, what you get is an opportunity to have another big guy come in and be this, you know, go to quintessential X receiver. Uh, and when I say X receiver, I just simply mean like the, the, the position designation for the wide receiver, the letter. X, not the former, uh, not the former receiver or anything like that. And so I, I think that the reason why I highlight that is because it's interesting to me that with Michael Thomas out, instead of them going that route to where Brian Edwards is the becomes the the X receiver, the split end, they're just going with their guys, Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid, and trying to get people headaches. Now the thing that became also interesting about it is that when you saw Brian Edwards come in, Brian Edwards did go to the outside, although he did play a little bit of uh, slot as well. But then we saw Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid also moving into the slot. So we would see Brian Edwards come in on the outside, 
and then one of those guys move into the slot. That one-handed snag that a lot of us have been talking about, writing about, and stuff like that. Sorry, y'all, my, uh, my, my video might be tripping if y'all are watching over the, on the video side, but we're getting it figured out. Um, you know, the, the big kind of one-handed catch that he had, he was crossing the field after being deployed from the slot. And so it just gives you an idea of all the kind of different ways that he's being utilized and that he is uh, and, and where the Saints are actually deploying these wide receivers. And that's one of the reasons why I've talked about before to where you don't necessarily really have like a wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three type of deployment with the New Orleans Saints. One, two, three changes based on matchup and where the defense is weakest and all that other stuff. Like your, your number one option might be the wide receiver one week, but then it might be the running back the next week in the passing game. It might be the tight end in the passing game the next week. And so it just kind of depends based upon the, the matchup that they get. And so seeing these guys move around and be deployed in all these different places, there is a ton of, uh, <laughs> there is a ton of uh, different ways that they end up end up being utilized. Now, I, there's somebody in the chat asking me why I'm leaving Traquan Smith out of the conversation. The reason why I'll leave Traquan Smith out of the conversation because he wasn't with the starters. So we're talking about who was out there with, with the first team. So Traquan, Traquan going to have to get to the first team and then we'll talk about him being on the first team. That's not me being mean. Traquan wasn't on the first team. No, but it, it really does like impact how and, and really display how versatile this New Orleans Saints offense can be. To further that, Juwan Johnson and Foster Moreau. We saw a lot of those guys out on the field, but Lucas Kroll got a lot of run as well. And so there was a lot of times where they had two tight ends on the field, two wide receivers on the field, and a running back as your skill position players, but they're still passing the ball, even though that's a run-heavy type of deployment. So that's kind of the way that we're all looking with all of it. You know what I mean? It, it, it really comes down to how uh, the Saints utilize these guys and move them around so that they can really take advantage of those matchups. That's something that was I don't want to say missing from the Saints offense last year, but certainly something that has been more successful in the past than it has been uh, in the recent in the recent past, right? In, in the distant in the distant past, it was a little bit more successful. So I think that it's good news. I think it's good news that we're seeing kind of that deployment get get shaken up quite a bit. All right, let's take a look at the base defense for the New Orleans Saints. We went with four down linemen: Cam Jordan, Colin Saunders, uh, Malcolm Roach. Remember, Nathan Shepard was not present on Tuesday, so Malcolm Roach ended up getting up there, not Brian Brzee. And then Carl Granderson over on the outside. I think at this point, Car Cam Cam Jordan, Carl Granderson, they're your penciled in starters at defensive end. Maybe Isaiah Foskey can work his way up there throughout the season, but expect Isaiah Foskey probably early on in the year to be more of a rotational piece. And that's a good way to kind of ramp him up throughout. It also allows them to use him as a specialty edge rusher, a specialty pass rusher, which I think would be really great for him in getting started. Um, Colin Saunders, Malcolm Roach, probably be Colin Saunders, Malcolm Roach, Brian Brzee, Nathan Shepard, some mix of that that will end up being your starters over on the interior. Uh, the defensive line, or excuse me, I'm sorry, my bad, the linebackers um, ended up going with uh, Demario Davis and Pete Werner, and then Zach Bond was the strong side linebacker. And whenever Demario Davis or Pete Werner was off the field, Demarco Jackson the App State linebacker who they drafted last year was in for one of them. So I think DeMarco Jackson right now is seen as the next off-ball linebacker behind DeMario Davis and uh, Pete Werner while Zach Bond is playing a little bit more of an on-ball role, which means that he's look, he's either going after, you know, playing as a primary run stopper or oftentimes as a pass rusher, though he obviously can drop back into coverage from that position as well. Isaac Yadam, um, Alante Taylor were outside at corner, and then we saw Marcus May and, J uh, Marcus May and JT Gray, May and Gray, 
uh, out at safety. And then whenever Alante Taylor moved into the slot, they brought out Troy Pride Jr. Remember Marshawn Lattimore, Paul Sinadibo, Bradley Roby, all not present. So that opened up some opportunities for guys like Isaac Yadam, as well as Troy Pride to get some outside work while they begin and continue cross-training um, the, the king of swag himself, the one that has I'm him tattooed behind his ear that wears the number one, Alante Taylor. Uh, who they ended up getting some work in the slot. So that's what those lineups looked like uh, for the New Orleans Saints during OTAs and what I think that means. Coming up next, let's jump into post-June 1 transactions. We're going to talk about a potential acquisition, a potential departure, and somebody that's not being talked about enough that could actually be a good fit for the New Orleans Saints to help shore up a big-time need for them, which is offensive line depth. We got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh, let's get it. Who that nation wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints. Almost used the segment two intro instead of the segment three intro, but y'all saw me on the quick correct, huh? I appreciate y'all very much for being here for another episode. Jay Muse, what is good? Appreciate the compliment and appreciate, I see all the love. I appreciate y'all so much. Um, I want, let me, I, I see a good question from 777. I'm going to come back to it to close out the show on Marcus May, but let me start off here with, with, with the post-June one transactions. Cause it's kind of the hot topic right now. Um, but it's not like the biggest story cause nothing's really happened yet. It's just a lot of speculation. So I want to go through a, an acquisition, a departure and a, Hey, learn this guy's name just in case for, for post-June one. So remember you're good, Brett. You're not late, bro. You showed up when you're supposed to show up. You're right on time. Yes, Pammy. I am super hype. Uh, so what I want to look at here is um, three different ideas for the Saints when it comes to post-June 1 transactions. It is now June 1st as, I'm, as we're live here. So that means June 2nd, deferments begin to happen if players move on, or sorry, if teams move on from players. What that means is that instead of you having the entire bit of money guaranteed to a player on a contract completely accelerating to the moment that you release them, one portion of it comes off this year in terms of what is on the books for you this year, and then the rest is deferred to next year. So it makes it a really, really good. <laughs> so it makes it a really, really good. Um, makes it a really, really good, manageable way to move on from a player and then help yourself out in terms of some accounting as well to wait until this point. Remember, you can designate two cuts as post June one cuts before June second, but you can't do that with trades. So trades can only really be post-June 1 by taking place June 2nd or later. So here's the big acquisition, and we're going to return to the name that we know that the Saints have been connected to a ton over the course of the season so far, and that's Hunter Renfro. I think there's still absolutely a spot there for him. You want a Lance Moore, you want a Willie Sneed, you want that slot receiver in your offense. A guy like Hunter Renfro can do that, and of course, the familiarity with Derek Carr. I've seen some folks who have kind of mentioned, hey, I don't know about the idea of bringing in Hunter Renfro because it feels too much like if the Saints did that, that they would just be trying to be the Las Vegas Raiders. And my, my stance on that is that like if a team bringing in familiarity for their quarterback is not a bad thing, particularly a new quarterback, a veteran quarterback that's played in the NFL before. It's just unusual in New Orleans because we haven't really seen that before. Remember, we've, we've, we've discussed this before on the show. When the Saints were building around Jameis Winston, I kept saying, why not bring in Brashad Perryman, a guy that ascended with Jameis Winston at quarterback? They didn't do that. So the way that I looked at it with Derek Carr is that they're doing it with him. And this is something you see a lot of NFL franchises doing. Look at the New York Jets. Aaron Rodgers spent his 
years in Green Bay complaining about the weapons that he had in Green Bay and saying that the Green Bay Packers didn't give him weapons, only for him to then go to the New York Jets and request those same weapons become the new, become New York Jets, which I always thought was absolutely hysterical. But you, you see this all the time in terms of teens bringing in a veteran quarterback and bringing in some guys that um, end up giving you some familiarity in the offense, comfortability with that quarterback. So I think that, that that's that's an interesting and a good place where the Saints could still go if the price is right. You know, a, a fourth, fifth round pick, early day three type selection or, or a mid round selection, I think is more than adequate to get a guy like Hunter Renfro. Also helps the Raiders out to relieve themselves of you know a good portion of salary cap space and open up some space for them. So I, I think that that's a spot where the Saints could potentially look as a acquisition. Departure, I think the player to watch there is actually going to be Bradley Roby. And this is somebody I know people, I don't want to like, I'm not trying to sit here and like poke fun at Bradley Roby. It's just that like part of what you're looking at when it comes to potential departures for um, teams, when it comes to post June one is you're looking at who saves you money. That's really the thing. So if the saints were to, uh, were to have traded him or cut him before June 1st, then that would have only opened up about, what is it? $1.6 million of salary cap space. If they were to trade him June 2nd or beyond, it opens up $3.4 million, 3.38, we'll call it 3.4, $3.4 million of salary cap space, which gives them some more money to go out there and spend or roll over into next year and all those other things. So if they get really excited about some of the other things that they can do in the slot, maybe Bradley Roby becomes a good trade chip to bring back uh, or facilitate a Hunter Renfro trade or bring back a, a draft pick or something like that. Let me give you a name to watch. They could potentially be moved on from by another team that the Saints could go out and potentially sign or potentially even trade for that would help them at a spot where they still have some needs, which is offensive line depth. Patrick McCarry, the offensive tackle technically of the uh, Baltimore Ravens. He has played left tackle and right tackle just last season, and he has experience playing every single offensive line spot over the course of whether it be his collegiate years or even his NFL years where he's taken some interior play as well. So a guy like Makari, who throughout his career has been a pretty successful blocker, um, you know, has some development, hasn't gotten a ton of opportunities, but does have some development. Um, his pass blocking grade last year was 80.3. Uh, according to Pro Football Focus, he's always been hovering around the 60s and 70s in terms of his run blocking grade as well. He's gotten better and better and better every year. And it's played all these different positions. So you look at positional versatility, you look at the versatility of scheme, and you look at sort of the, you think about what it is that the Baltimore Ravens have been so good at and have emphasized in their offense, and it's the run game. And I think the Saints want to do that as well. And so a guy like Patrick McCarry, who has all of these different um, experiences and, and has all of this experience at different places, could be a name to watch. Six foot four, 305 pounds. Uh, if I remember correctly, he's actually from Cal Berkeley, same school as. Um, let me double check that. Yeah, California Golden Bears. Yeah, he's from Cal Berkeley. Same school that, same alma mater as uh, Cameron Jordan, of course. So Cameron Jordan would love to match up with him in practice and talk a lot of trash, I'm sure. And so, uh, oh gosh, you want to talk about swagger and attitude and confidence. I mean, Cam Jordan, like the absolute epitome of all that. Uh, but Patrick McCarry, that's that's another name to watch out for. I'll give you a don't hold your breath as well. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers could potentially move on from, say, from, um, uh, from Shaq Barrett and save $14.6 million. June 2nd or later. I don't see that happening, but the Saints could use a veteran edge rusher. And boy, wouldn't that be a fun one? Wouldn't that be a fun one? But let's not get our hopes up on that one, but just, just a footnote. All right, as we wrap up today, 
Oh, we got a birthday month right here for, for Mr. Jerry. Appreciate you. Happy birthday month to you. Um, I had a great question here from 777 who was asking, will and and when will uh, will Marcus May be suspended? We don't know yet. He does have a trial upcoming. I believe it's this summer during training camp, much like Alvin Kamara. Maybe we'll get some more uh, clarity there. But there's also the potential that this ends up getting continued and continued and continued, just like we saw last year as well. Remember that his Jefferson Parish uh, alleged aggravated assault charge has been dropped, but the DUI charge from you know a couple Februarys ago when he was with the New York Jets that is still out there. So we're waiting to kind of see for the legal process to resolve itself first, and then after that we'll find out what's going on in terms of the uh, of course, homie, and uh, after that we'll find out what's going on in terms of the NFL, um, the league, right? What the league sort of punishment and um, discipline—that's what I was looking for—is going to be. No Bucks players, please. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. All right, y'all. Um, that's going to do it for today. Appreciate everybody for being here for another live episode. We'll be back at you. We'll be back at it again tomorrow morning. We'll have some clips and stuff from OTAs, uh, Dennis Allen, Alante Taylor, so on and so forth. So we're going to get all that in uh, going into uh, tomorrow morning's episode. Make sure that you check that out. Remember, if you want to keep the conversation going, uh, join subtext.com slash locked on saints. will get it done for you. Free trial for 14 days, and it's $4.99 after that. If you want to hang around and help support the show, get you some early information, all that good stuff. So make sure you go and check it out today uh, whenever you get the chance. Appreciate you, as always, for being here for another episode of Locked on Saints, making me a part of your day, part of your routine. As always, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're moming them. And trust you, that nation. I'll holla at you.